Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I have with me Naomi Sodomon. Hey, Naomi. Hey, how are you? I'm so grateful to be here. I am glad to have you. Can you tell listeners who you are, what you do, and where you are? Oh, I'd be happy to. My name is Naomi Sadaman. I'm a transformational coach, and I'm actually located right outside of San Francisco. I'm in a small town called Benicia, um, but it's a great town. It's a touristy town, and it's fun, so that's where I'm at, and that's who I am. Okay, and you say you're a transformational coach. Can you tell people, some people may not really know what that means, because that's, that was my title. And a lot of people, you know, when they think about transformation, it's like, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't strike them right. Can you right. tell them what exactly <laughs> you do? So what I do is I show you how to find your passion, live your purpose, make money doing it so that you can support your family. When you are doing what you love, when you are doing what you're passionate about, that is when you are able to produce the result in your business, in your life, because you are in alignment with what you do. So what I do is I teach my clients how, how to find that purpose and then how to take that purpose, turn it into a business that's going to actually pay you and give you the freedom and the lifestyle that you desire. Um, you said a whole lot. So the first thing that caught me was live your purpose and your passion. And, and that's so real because when you have passion for what you do, it's no longer a task or a job. It's kind of just effortless. Um, but how would you say that you, you would help people find that? Because a lot of people hear us talk and they hate, you know, oh, there goes another life coach. But what does it really mean to show somebody or to most of them have it in them? How do you pull that out of someone? Well, you know, I, you know, the thing is, I think that we all have it in them and someone else had to pull it out in me. I think over the years by going to school, we've been conditioned, we've been programmed. Uh, our parents tell us that we need to find jobs. And so whatever we were passionate about, we lost it. So for me, my passion was always writing. My passion was always interviewing. My passion was what I'm doing. But over the years, being Haitian, I was conditioned to, you know, first of all, you get married when you're 18. And if you don't do that, you go to college, you need to become a nurse or, or a doctor or a lawyer. So I took the nursing path. So I became a registered nurse. And then I was great at it. I excelled at it. I was running a surgery center where I was making 250K a year. My life looked great. But guess what? I was empty on the inside. I hated every minute of it because I had been so conditioned that I forgot what my passion was. You know, I was crying one day and I remember what childhood friend of mine told me. She says, Naomi, the happiest you've ever been was when you were in high school, you wrote all the school plays, you wrote for the newspaper, you did all of that. That's what made you happy. And so, that's what I'm committed to help people do because I think that when you are doing what makes you happy, that's when life begins. That's when joy comes into your life. Yeah. Absolutely right. You know, and what's crazy is that what you said is something that I talk about a lot about having entrepreneurs on here because, you know, we are conditioned to have careers and have jobs. We're not conditioned to have businesses. And so that mindset really 
causes you to conform. And, and a lot of people are stuck in that for their whole life. And they know that something's not right and it doesn't feel good and they're not tapped in and they go to work and they just, you know, they put on the, the, the show and dance and they do it all. And, and a lot of people have their passions that they think are just hobbies. You know, they're like, oh, well, I'll just do it on the side or whatever, instead of them realizing that they could do that every day and turn it into a, 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 a business. Now, let me ask you, what was your aha moment? Like what made you shift? You know, what made me shift was the birth of my son. Um, when my son came along, I had been unhappy in my career for nearly a decade. I think by year number five, I was like, oh my God, I can't see 30 or 30 more years of this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But I wouldn't shift because I made such good money and everything looked so great. Then when my son came along, I had to shift because one, I didn't like what I was doing. I was leaving him to go do something that I didn't like. So mm -hmm. it broke my heart. And then one day I said to myself, well, what are you going to teach him? You are going to teach him to do the same thing that your parents have taught you that you can't really make money doing what you love, which was a limiting belief for me that you don't make money being a writer. You don't make money being a speaker. You don't make money doing what you love. And so that for me was my biggest aha moment, was my biggest shift that I needed to change the bloodline. I needed to, to be the example for my son. I needed to teach him how to do work that he loved because the only way he's going to learn that is if he see me doing what it is that I love to do. That is so powerful. I mean, it's, it's absolutely everything that I preach all the time is so real. And what you said, one thing you said specifically strikes me is that a lot of misperceptions is that you cannot make money following your dream. And for you, that was writing. And the same thing for me, you know, I was a case manager for 20 years and I, I'm good at coordinating. I'm good at fixing people's life, but I couldn't figure out how to monetize it. And even yeah. when I started my business, I was like, okay, I'm a life coach, but how do I reach the people that need the help the most? The ones that won't ask for help, the ones that won't go to therapy, the ones that won't get treatment. And it is a huge misconception for most people that they cannot monetize what it is that they want to do. And so they just, they just, they're dormant and they just kind of hide their vision, you know, and they dummy down, you know, and, and even when they spark ideas in, in a job in corporate America, you know, they'll have an idea about something and what happens it's discounted, yeah. you know, and just go do what you're supposed to do, you know, and just yeah. you keep yeah. doing and, it. And we, we, we're, we're trained in school for that. I'm watching my son who's going through this big transition that he doesn't want to go to school. And we're looking at what are our other options. And he said something so profound to me. He says, mom, I don't like school because they only teach me what they want me to learn. And mm -hmm. so it's like, here's the curriculum. This is what we're teaching you. And if you think about it, it's very much like a job. Yep. And I listened to this seven-year-old complain and he says, mom, you know, I only have 15 minutes of recess. He doesn't eat his lunch. I'm like, honey, you didn't eat your lunch. And he's like, mom, I have 15 minutes of recess to play. I got 30 minutes to eat lunch and play. So he's seven. So he chooses to play. But if yep. you look at corporate America, right? Yep. 15 minute breaks, yep. 30 minute for lunch, yep. right? Here's the curriculum. This is what yep. we're doing. This is what you do. This is what mm -hmm. we do on Monday. This is what we do on Tuesday. And so I think that we've been so conditioned and my passion is to help other people 
find their own passion because that's when you start feeling alive. Yes. And the success comes because you are doing work that you are in alignment with. You know, I've even had clients come to me about a business idea. And, 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 and I just recently, I had a client, this was last year, I coached a client and, you know, she's like, I want to be a life coach and this is who I am. I'm a businesswoman, but I could tell that it didn't light her up. Yeah. She was just saying it. She just wanted, it's like, I'm going from this to that because we're so conditioned to think about money. So then we want to do the stuff where we think that we're going to make money mm-hmm. instead of really going in and go, okay, what is it that I'm passionate about? So at the end of the call, she's, she's young. She's only like 25. I discovered really her passion is she wants to go to LA. She wants to model. She wants to do pageant and she just mm-hmm. won Miss Columbia. Wow. And she's like, I cannot believe after coaching with you that I was, um, so she was about to start a business that was not in alignment with her passion Mm -hmm. of what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she's from Colombia and her parents tell her, well, there's no money in what you're doing. And so we had to really shift that mindset. And she's like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. So, yeah. I want to, you just brought up a cultural aspect and that's something that I do want to talk about with you because it's very important to your story. And, you know, it's something that I talk about a lot uh, as a mental wellness coach, because as a psychologist, I talk a lot about assessments and family and culture and spirituality because it plays a lot into our behaviors and also our mental health and our wellness and our ideas about what we're supposed to do. Um, can you tell listeners a little bit about your story and your background and your childhood? And I think it plays into where you are today. Can you give them a little bit of insight into that? Well, you know, my childhood, I'm from Haiti. And so um, I had a really rough childhood. Um, by the time I was nine years old, my father, my birth father was sentenced to 23 years in prison. So I live in the inner city with my mom and we lived in a place in Miami called Little Haiti. And even though we migrate here um, as Haitian, we never really migrate into the American culture. So we form our own subculture. Mm. And so there's a lot of that subculture that you become Haitian. Mm -hmm. Um, You eat the food, we speak the language. And also as a child, you are being trained the mindset Mm. of that culture you are being trained the tradition of that culture. And for me, it was very confusing because I, I wanted to be loved by my family. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be loved by the tribe. Mm-hmm. But I knew by the time I was 13, 14, I knew that I didn't want to be married at 18. Mm-hmm. I had seen my cousins that were older than me and other family members get married and have children and they don't work and the men support them. And, and I had seen their life. It wasn't appealing to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't attractive to me. So I knew that that wasn't going to be my path, but let's face it. You know, I think the thing that we all as children want, even as adults is we want to be liked by our families. Except we want to be loved by them. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we hide who we are. Mm-hmm. So we can conform so that we can be accepted. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so there was a lot of me hiding who I was, hiding the things that I want, hiding my big dreams because I couldn't share those dreams. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. You're not supposed to dream that way. My mom once told me um, when I was a little girl, I said to my mom, I want to go, I want to go to Hawaii and I wanted to see where they shoot Jurassic Park. And my mom said to me, you know, we never leave. So our whole Haitian community, it's about five blocks. And that's our whole life. And she says, we never leave. So who do you think you are to want to leave? To want more than that. To want more than that. This Mm -hmm. is what we do. Happy with what that is. And happy with what that is. And it wasn't much. Mm -hmm. But it was the culture. It was what was what's being taught to us that you know, life is not easy and you have to work hard for everything. And if you go to church, my family was very religious. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to church, if you pray to God, everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. And and, And you don't need to have more. Why would you want more? Because according to my family, to be honest with you, is that the reward is in heaven. And for me, we got into a lot of, uh, it was really hard for my mom to raise me because I was very different from my sibling. And so at a very young age, I stopped going to church because I didn't understand the God that they were serving. I was curious. I wanted to know why other people had a roof over their head and we couldn't keep one. Wow. And it wasn't that I wanted big things, but I saw someone drove a, a, a car but mm-hmm. ours was always broken down. Yeah. If we had a car every other week, it stopped on the highway. Mm-hmm. So as a child, my curious mind go, what's the difference between that person who just drove in that Toyota Camry? Why can't my mom have a car like that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, why can't we have food? I mean, like milk, cheese, that was a luxury. Yeah. And so I became curious about that. But what I learned over the years as I was growing up, as I became a teenager, I started learning that, oh my God, we are created equal. It was the way that I was viewing the world. It was the old files and the programming that I had in my mind that I couldn't, I was programmed to you pray and you wait for God. Mm-hmm. I had to remove that program. Wait, right? To no, you don't pray and wait for God. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out what you're gonna do. You need to set an intention, mm-hmm. and then allow God to open doors and opportunities for you. But you yeah. can't sit here and wait on God. Mm-hmm. So it's the programming. So the culture makes it really, really difficult and really confusing for for children. And so then we grow up now with all of these layers, right? All of these things that we learn from them. And then we just do what they tell us to do. And so then you find yourself in a career for 15, 20 years, and then you're unhappy. You're like, well, why am I not going anywhere? Or you get to that point, you say, is this it for me? Mm -hmm. Is this all I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. Then what does that do to you? Mm-hmm. It robs you of your joy. Yes, it does. And you know, when we look at people who die, Rob, you know, they never, they never, they never 
fight back. You know, they just conform and then they just, you know, they just go through the, like I said, the routine of getting up and just doing the same thing because that's what a lot of people believe. But you tapped on a lot of things because a lot of it is cultural. And I just moved from South Florida. I moved from Port St. Lucie. And so there's a lot of different cultures down there. Yes. And that was one thing that I noticed is that they don't mingle. We don't and, mingle. And it was really hard for me because I have been trying to find ways to break that. Um, my best friend is Mexican and she has a lot of issues and she'll call me and she'll say, I know that I need to go get help for this. And I know I need to see a professional, but in my family, they don't do that. You know, they don't ask for help, depression, things like that. They don't talk about it outside of the house. You just, you deal with things and you know, you pray, you go to church and whatever. And right. so it's so interesting to me because even in the prisons, when I used to work in the prisons, the subcultures, you know, I've, I've watched this same philosophy in so many different communities, but it's mm -hmm. so true. But th what they don't understand is they're closing themselves off from opportunity. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is the ego, right? Let's talk about the ego for, for yeah. a minute, right? The yep. ego loves to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So when, we leave, when, when, when my family leave Haiti, the natural thing to do is my brothers in Miami, I'll just stay in Miami. Because mm -hmm. it's comfortable. I have my brother. Mm -hmm. I have my sister. Mm -hmm. And everybody become this sub, this little subculture yep. where the ego keeps saying, this is great. Mm -hmm. This is where you live. This is yep. what you do. Why would you want to move? Why would you want to do anything else, right? So it's really educating people about the ego, that the ego was put in place for you and I to protect us. For example, you know, if you were to climb up, uh, a 30 storage building, right? Mm -hmm. Your ego would go, be careful, you can fall and die, right? Which is the <laughs> truth. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Right? You're right. But what happened is that we as human have totally forgotten how to put the ego back in check and get out of our comfort zone mm -hmm. and go, it's okay. I am safe, you know, so, so in the, in the subcultures, um, you know, I, I, from the time I was 10 to the time I was 15 years old, I was suicidal. Hmm. And that's not something that we talk about in the no. culture. And it's not uncommon, which is what I want people to understand, but we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. Um, people don't, you can't tell your family that you're recital, but it got to a point where I, I kept saying to God, you know, if I am this, this dark thing, if I am just here to suffer, then I just want to die. And I contemplated on ways to die, mm -hmm. on ways to kill myself, but it wasn't something that I could go and tell my aunt that I wanted to die. Mm -hmm. Tell my mom, are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Yeah. And so we have a lot of mental illness in the subculture, but yep. it's just not being addressed. Does that make it, sense? It, it, that is my whole business. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, over the 20 years of my career, you know, I have tried to figure out how to break a mold because, you know, anxiety and depression are so rampant. And, you know, I'm a military spouse. And so when you add PTSD and, and also 
talking about the fact that PTSD is not just for veterans and people that serve. It's for people who've been raped, people who've had trauma, people who've been displaced, people who have been moved around, people who have moved to different cultures and, and being vulnerable. And when you talk about pride, pride and vulnerability, boy, I could go on yeah. for weeks because you can't grow without being vulnerable. And when you're talking about everybody staying comfortable, that's exactly what they do and they never grow. And they that's why we all have businesses, right? Right. <laughs> and, and growth requires you to be uncomfortable. Yes, it does. It I does. was working with a mentor when I started my journey of wanting to really grow myself. I hired a coach that I would, uh, a, 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 pers a personal development coach that I would check in mm -hmm. with. And we've been working together for a couple of years. And one day I get on a call with him. He says, Naomi, I am really worried about you. I said, why? Life is great. Things are good. And he says, because you are so comfortable. Mm. Yeah. And he says, that tells me that you are not growing. You're not working. That's right. What's next? What's next? Says, like, it, it tells me that you are not growing at all. He says, so yeah. I'm super concerned. And that stayed with me so much that I said, I'm not growing. What is he talking about? Mm -hmm. A couple of years later, I started making changes and yep. he checked in with me and he says, how are you doing? I said, you know, I am the most uncomfortable that I've ever been in my life. I have left my family in Miami. I have moved to Georgia. I don't know a soul there. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out who I am outside of the Haitian community, outside of the Haitian culture. I have mm -hmm. never been so uncomfortable. He says, Naomi, congratulations. You are having massive growth. That's right. That shift. <laughs> That's when the shift happens. Mm. And it's, it's so true because I left Port St. Lucie and my whole life has turned around in five months. And it's crazy because I was trying to, I was trying to grow in a place where growth was not, it was not, it was not doable. And, and the thing is also is that you have to be very cautious of who is around you. And, you know, I was trying to grow with everybody and bring everybody with me at the same time. And I felt guilty for letting go of a lot of things in order to grow. And sometimes it's so interesting how if we don't do it, uh, somebody takes over and is done for us. And it's not as, as nice as it would be if we had just made the decision to put boundaries in place. And so, you know, it's so interesting. I love these conversations because I really like to break down to people what it means to have a life coach or to, to transform or to grow. Like, and what you said about being comfortable is that people have to understand that they need to be challenged. And that's what we do as coaches. You know, you have assignments and you put forth work and we evaluate and we see what needs to be done and what doesn't. And, and that's the thing. And I love to tell stories because a lot of people don't understand, you know, they say, well, what makes you a coach and why, why can you tell me what I need to do? And I love to hear that people need to hear the background and the struggles because the one thing about most people in business and most coaches is that they have turned tragedy into triumph. And the key is knowing how to task people to avoid a lot of that so that they don't duplicate it. Yes, definitely. You touch on something that is so powerful that I want to touch on. Uh, you talk about being in Port St. Lucie and, and how you were trying to bring everybody along. I think a lot of the time that we don't understand that we have outgrown our own environment. Mm. Right? 
Mm -hmm. So what happened to what happened to you with living Port St. Lucie is the same thing that happened to me. I had outgrown yep. my environment. Mm -hmm. The only way I was going to find even a bit of joy again yep. was for me to make this massive change. I remember <laughs> having a conversation with my mom and I was crying and, and she says, you know, uh, you know, we're kind of like the Mexicans. We do not leave our family. Mm -hmm. we, we, we stay with our family till death do us part. We've yep. got this whole theme that blood is thicker than water, and yep. we're gonna all be poor together. We're all yep. gonna support each other. Loyalty. And I remember crying, saying to my mom, "You know, Miami has nothing left for me, mom, but a bucket of sand." But yep. I didn't realize at the time that that my capacity to hold more has expanded. Yep. And when your capacity to hold more has expanded, when you have become a different person more than you are, you are forced to grow. That's and right. the way that, that, that God or the universe makes you grow is to make you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. so you always feel like I'm trying to push along with these people. I yep. want to bring them along. Nobody gets it. But really what needs to happen is you personally need to evolve. Yes, so I want you to think of it as being in an elevator, right? We all get on this elevator and then the elevator goes up and we're on the second floor together. But mm -hmm. you decided that you were going to get curious. Oh, I want to see what's on the 10th floor. So you, you push 10 and then your friends are still on the second floor. Mm -hmm. So life on the 10th floor looks very different for yep. you than the person who's seeing life on the second floor. That's right. And that is why it's best for us to leave them where they're at, mm -hmm. send them love, mm -hmm. and continue going up the elevator. Wow, 10th floor looks good. I wonder what's on the 20th floor. Mm -hmm. And push that button and go up to the 20th floor. And it's so true. And the thing that I want people to understand is, is that no matter what people say, because you take a lot of heat, like you said, divorcing your family as they would see it. The choices that we make to grow are sacrifices because we get a lot of, a lot of heat. But the reality of it is, is that the heat is worth the joy on the other side. And that's something that I was afraid to do. And I know a lot of people are very afraid, even taking leaps as simple as changing jobs or moving cities or getting married. You know, a lot of times we will say no to things because it looks like, oh, well, that means I would have to change this, this, and this, and this, and this. Like when I got married five months ago, I had to change my city. I didn't know anybody. My kids had to change schools. I mean, I haven't left Florida in 20 years, but I had decided that maybe this is exactly what I need because I've tried everything else. I've changed departments, I've changed jobs, I've changed cars, you know, we change our hair, we, we diet, we add color, we put on different makeup and we're like, okay, stuff's still not working. Right. It's like, all right, maybe this is what I need. Here's the thing is when you're called for greatness, right? When you're called for greatness, yes. uh, you know, I, my, I grew up in the church. I, I, I believe in God. Mm -hmm. I believe that when you're called for greatness, 
God will not allow you to be still. That's so right. So he does the little, the little soft knock. <laughs> I'm like, ignore that. I didn't hear that. You know, you heard that knock like, God, I'm tired of that yep. job and I'm tired of these people. Yep. And then he knocks louder. <laughs> <laughs> and then you still don't want to listen. Stubborn boy. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave my friend. I don't know nobody in this new town. How am I going to get around? It's cold. Whatever the excuses, whatever the ego is telling us, right? Because the ego bring all of these excuses mm -hmm. to keep us exactly when we act. Mm -hmm. And then God goes, you're still not going to do it. Now I'm going to bang on the door and knock the door down. And then knock inside you start going through what I call the dark night of the soul, mm. where you're so unhappy, you're crying, you feel like nothing is going to work out. And at that point, I believe it's when you hit that low of that low. Rock bottom. That rock bottom that you say, okay, I accept I my calling. I surrender. And that's all you got to say is yes. You yeah. don't really have to know the house. Mm -hmm. You don't really have to know what's going to happen, but all you have to do is say yes. Mm -hmm. And it's the first step. Yeah. And I say surrender. Somebody told me the other day, she said, don't say that. And I said, that's exactly what it is. Surrender doesn't have to be bad. It just means that you're letting go and saying, okay, I know that I no longer have control over my destiny that, you know, if we hold on to things and, and we lose abundance, you know, when we let go, it moves beyond what we could have ever imagined. Oh. I, every day I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do what I know how to do, but opportunity comes and it, it, it takes me on a wave and pulls me further out than I ever would have went. And, okay. and that's the thing about letting go and just saying, okay, this, there is more you for surrender. me. So let's, let's see what's behind door number 10. Right. You surrender. And here's the beauty. When you surrender, you feel at peace. Yes. More There's no fear. One of my favorite quotes is by Michael Beckwith. Michael Beckwith says, set the direction and God will set the correction. Ooh, so you I like that. to make plans, you set the direction, mm -hmm. but then you surrender. Yep. And that's why all these different opportunities come this way. So if you sit out and you plan your year out, you go this year, I'm going to do this, this year, I'm going to do this. There's going to, there's going to be so, if you're, if you're really stuck to that plan and you're you got to be in control of that plan, you miss a lot of opportunities because God is setting the correction. Mm -hmm. He's putting you the people in alignment with you so you can succeed. But I think that the universe helps us more when we are in alignment with who we truly are, That's when true. we are doing the work that we truly are. So yes. for me, I was an imposter. I am here trying to be this nurse when really I'm a writer. I'm a speaker. Yeah. I inspire and motivate people. Mm hmm Yep. Now, I want you to tell listeners about your book. Oh, yeah, yeah. My book, my book, I have it on the wall here. It's called Embrace the Mirror, Vision of Abundance in a Stronger You. And mm -hmm. in my book, I go through... My book is really about three things, self-discovery. How do you discover who you are? 
how to awaken your spirit so that you can actually tap into who you really are. And then it's also a personal collection of my own personal stories of triumphs and failure. And those stories are intended to inspire you. Um, I talk about a lot of my failures in the book. A lot of my story, we all have those stories of triumphs and failures, right? Um, you know, going through a divorce. You think, oh my God, I failed. <laughs> I was just talking about that in my earlier podcast. Yes. Right. You think, oh my God, I, I got a divorce. I, I failed, you know. for And how long did you drag your feet on that one? Because you're so afraid of the word fail. And it's like, no. Yeah, but then, then you look back five years later, six years later, and you go, oh my God, I was supposed to get that divorce. If yep. I had not gotten that divorce, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be living where I'm living. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be having these experiences yep. because I was stuck in this energy yep. that wasn't going to get Rain. me wrong. Yes. It wasn't aligned. It wasn't in alignment, you know? And so I talk about those types of triumphs and failures and what the lessons are from After. those triumphs and failure. Because I think that if we can learn the lessons, then it allow you the expenditure growth instead yep. of saying, oh my God, I got a divorce. Well, what did you learn from the divorce? Mm -hmm. What lesson and take those life lessons with you. Mm -hmm. I learned through my divorce that I was really trying to please my parents. Mm -hmm. I was 25 and you married at 18. And so I wanted my mom to be happy. Mm -hmm. so, Matt, we're, think we're in love. Yeah, let's marry. That'll make mom happy. Mm -hmm. right? So my divorce taught me about self-love. Mm -hmm. That if I couldn't love myself first, mm -hmm. then no one else is going to love me. If I can't enjoy my own company, no one else is going to enjoy my own company. And mm -hmm. that the work started with me. And that's really that divorce was like the biggest transformation. And I have to be honest with you, it was the hardest thing because I was divorced within, I, I always joke about this. I said, I had a Kim Kardashian moment. Think, <laughs> I wasn't famous. I was divorced within three months. <laughs> I'm so done. That is, that is a record. I think out of real life people, that is a record. Right? <laughs> That is, that's huge though, because it tells you your intellect, your level of intuition, because a lot of people, you know, that's the, the biggest thing that people drag their feet on because they're so afraid and, you know, and it's hard to admit that you're wrong and it's hard to admit why you did it because that's the key is knowing why you did it, why yeah. you need to, you know, undo it. But that's so true, you know? But it, yeah, I, I just remember having a conversation with, with, with my cousin and, and they're like, oh, Jonathan was this, Jonathan was that. In the beginning, when you're, when you're looking at it from your lower self, yep. not your higher self, there's a lot of blame. There's a lot of yep. this and that. But when I started looking at it from my higher self, I said, no, I was having this conversation with my cousin and she was so surprised. I said, he wasn't a bad person at all. Mm -hmm, just not for me. I just, I just chose the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. And I chose a guy that my mother would marry. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose a guy that Naomi would marry. That's right. Because I didn't know who I was at the time. Mm -hmm. I had all of my mom's programming. So yep. I chose my mother's man. And yep. she loved him. Mm -hmm. 
right? She loved him. I chose my mother's man, but I didn't choose my man. Mm -hmm. The one that can put up with the creative Naomi, the Naomi that wants to be bigger, the Naomi that wants to play big in the world, the Naomi who doesn't want to sit on a job for the rest of her life, retired and sit and watch television. You know, that's so true because the thing about a visionary is it takes a special person to be with one. And that is definitely something that I've learned. Everybody can't do it. You have to have the right partner. Oh my God. My husband is, my current husband, we've been married for 10 years. And I don't even know how he, how he even puts up with me. <laughs> but he says, I love you. I just want you to be you. Exactly. And, and you know what? It feels so good as a woman to hear that. Because yeah. it's not somebody trying to dumb you down. It's not somebody trying to control you. It's somebody who sees the joy and the passion in your heart and knows that it is a service to others and can understand and respect it. And that just puts a, a cherry on top of what we already do. You know, it's right. to have that freedom and not feel pressure, you know. Right. And so that's why a lot of the time is that those divorce are good. Mm -hmm. They're not a bad thing. We just deem, oh, divorce, it's a bad thing. It's a failure. But on the other side of, of failure is success, right? That's right. Well, that divorce is designed to get you Necessary. to take a look at who you really are. And it wasn't until that divorce that I was like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So... So yeah, it's amazing because then you are able, because you evolved and then you are able to attract that partner that is like you or that can tolerate that kind of energy. You got to be, you know, we are a different energy. We are a different breed of people. Yes, that's so true. Well, um, anything else you want listeners to know about you and how to reach you? Oh, great. So I'm, I'm actually right now in the process of launching a beta group for my first signature eight-week group coaching program. It's going to come out somewhere between March and April. And so I'd like to let them know about that if they want to find out more information. Our beta group is really, really, we're just really putting people through it. Um, it's, a, it's a minute investment just so we can make you commit to showing up. Um, so if they want to know about it, I have a great um, gift for them today that they can download. If you are interested in finding your passion, you want to know, oh my God, what am I passionate about? There's certain questions that you have to ask. So I have a workbook that they can actually download um, and they go to embracethemirror.com forward slash workbook forward slash. Okay. And that's also your website, right? Can you tell them your, their, your website? Yes. It's, it's embracethemira.com. So to get the workbook, just forward slash workbook forward slash. That is awesome. Well, I want to thank you for being here. Your, your energy is so powerful. I, I um, very rarely have little to say and you, you kill it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely uh, blessed and grateful to have you on here I'm, today so blessed and grateful to you know I love doing these podcasts because every time I'm doing these podcasts I said to myself this is what you were meant to do that's right 
That's right. And I just hope the right people hear it because that's the, I always wish that for specific podcasts, they reach people differently than just a post. And I want people to hear that when you hear somebody that can validate your feelings, there is nothing more powerful than that. And um, I think I I really hope that, that people get that. So thank you. Because your story is definitely unique and, and I could think of millions of people that it would resonate with. So I just hope we can reach them. And um, I look forward to, uh, to collaborating with you in the future. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You were amazing. And, um, you know, I'm going to leave your audience with one of my favorite quote, and that's by Dr. King. You know, Dr. King says, you know, if you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But whatever you do, you can't stay where you are. You have to keep moving. So no matter where you are today, I just want you to keep moving. So powerful and so true. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in to another edition of Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson with Naomi Sodomy, and y'all have a powerful day.